Like Justin said, my name is Whitney. I'm the next gym pastor here at Connect. Before I start my message, I wanna do something that I don't feel like we do often enough and um, we need to do more of. I want to give a shout out and acknowledge um, our trusty lead pastor, Dave. Um, and Casey, she's not able to be here this morning, but um, what he does on a Sunday is amazing, but it's what he does behind the scenes that a lot of us don't see, that truly we are so lucky to have him leading this church. And um, when he says our mission and vision is to connect our community to Christ, he not only says it, but he believes it, he lives it, he breathes it. So let's give Dave just a round of applause. <laughs> I bet Casey's so glad she's not here because she would have hated that. She definitely would have. So I have a, a question for you this morning. Um, my question is, do you have a prayer? Maybe you have said your whole life. Maybe you said as a kid and you say now as an adult. Maybe you passed it down to your kids. And it's one of those prayers that you can say with your eyes closed without thinking. It's just second nature to you. Okay, so I do, um, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard this prayer, which I'll tell you what the prayer is in a minute, but um, it's one of those prayers that I said as a little kid. So my brother and I said this prayer every night before bed without fail, and um, as I have gotten older, my husband and I passed it down to our kids. And um, as I, you know when you get older and you kind of think about like, well, Okay, let me back up a little bit. So it's one of those prayers that I wondered, like, where, where did this come from? Why did I start saying it? So I was on the phone with my mom the other day, and I said, hey, remember that prayer that we said as a kid? Like, where did that come from? Why did we start saying that prayer? And she said, well, actually, I said this when I was a little girl. My parents taught me this prayer. So I did a little more researching and found out that this prayer actually originated back from, like, the 1700s. This is a very old prayer. So... Um, and now our kids say it every night before bed. And um, actually, if you think about the words, it's actually a kind of a weird prayer. It's kind of a creepy prayer. And I'm surprised our kids are not terrified to go to bed, honestly. Um, and you know when you get older and you watch a movie and you're like, oh, I watched this as a kid. I want my kids to watch this movie. And you watch it and you think, how did my parents let me watch this movie? Like you think things differently and you're like, well, I never picked that up. And I, this is so inappropriate. Well, that's how I kind of feel about this prayer. As I've gotten older, I've tried to like really understand the words and it's really terrifying. And come to think right now, our, our daughter has been having some night terrors. I'm sure it has nothing to do with this prayer, but something to think about. Um, but the prayer goes something like this. And if you know this prayer, feel free to say it along, but really think about the words as if you were a child getting ready to close your eyes and go to sleep, okay? So the prayers go something like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Okay. So basically what we're telling our kids before bed is, hey, you may die before you wake, but don't worry, the Lord will come take your soul. You're gonna be good. Like it's actually really scary. I don't know why we keep saying this prayer, but we will continue to say this prayer tonight. I mean, we've gone too far. We will do this prayer, but come take your soul, I just, it's a little scary. So does anybody pray that, pray that prayer? Okay, we have somebody, what is, what is wrong with us? I don't know, it's weird. Okay, so maybe you have that prayer that you say before a dinner time. Maybe before you sit down and you're eating your fried chicken, your mashed potatoes, and all of the good food, you're saying, Lord, bless this food to our body. 
bless this fried chicken to my body, these, this mashed potatoes and gravy to my body. Okay, which is another strange prayer because I don't know if that fried chicken is gonna bless your body. It might do something else, but I don't know if it's gonna bless it. But again, we continue to say these prayers. Maybe another thing, maybe you travel for work. Maybe you have a spouse that travels for work and every morning before you get behind the wheel, you say, Lord, just please be with me as I travel. Which if you're a Jesus follower here this morning, you know God is already with you. He's always with us. He's what we call omnipresent. He's with us all the time, everywhere we go. He's already with us. Now, I am not a reader. For those of you who know me, I do not read. I want to read so bad. I have a lot of friends who love reading. They like are in book clubs and they talk about books and I, don't, I wanna be a part of this conversation so bad, but I just can't, I can't. But I do read a couple of books and a couple of books that I have read from start to finish, by the way, um, it normally has the same author. And the author is Pastor Craig Groeschel, okay? He is the best pastor. Just kidding, he's not, he's not, you're better, but he's good. But um, Pastor Craig Groeschel, um, he wrote this book, it's called Dangerous Prayers. And this is what he would call a safe prayer. The prayer before bed, now I lay me down to sleep. Bless this food to our body, please watch over me. That is what he would call maybe a safe prayer. But he goes in to talk about what a dangerous prayer is. So a little bit different. And I can't think of anybody that said a dangerous prayer more than David, more than David in the Bible. He said a pretty dangerous prayer. And we're gonna get into that this morning. And it's from Psalm 139. Now, this is when David is coming to God through prayer. And it is a longer, it's a longer chapter. It's 24 verses, but we're gonna read it all because it's all so important. So this is David coming to God through prayer. And at the beginning, you will see that most of this chapter is a declaration. It's a declaration to God and he's saying how great God is, how wonderful he is, how amazing and powerful he is. He's declaring how good God is. And then at the end, you'll see a twist. So after declaring um, how amazing God is, you see a twist and it turns in from a declaration to an invitation. So starting in verse one, David says in his prayer, he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful to me, for me, too lofty for me to obtain. So first of all, what we see in these six verses already, David uses the word know a lot. He uses the word know a lot. And this is showing that another declaration of God is he is omniscient, omniscient. That means he knows everything. He is all knowing, he knows it all. David's saying, you know when I sit, when I rise, you know everything about me. And he even said how such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to untain. He's saying, your knowledge, I can't even wrap my head around it. My human brain doesn't even understand your knowledge because it is so, so big. God is omniscient. He's even saying, you know my habits. You know when I'm gonna sit, you know when I'm gonna rise, you know what I'm gonna say. 
before it even hits my tongue. It's like Google search. Have you ever Google searched something and you type in one word and it just, it knows, how does it know? Or it's like you think about a product and then it's everywhere. Like it's really, really crazy. God's more powerful than that. You know how Google knows your habits. This morning, it said I'll be at Connect Church in like three minutes. How did I know, how did it know I was going there, right? You know, it's just crazy. And God is so much bigger than that. He is omniscient. In verse seven, David goes on and he said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is a light to you. This is more of David's declaration of who God is. And again, he's omnipresent, he's everywhere. He can't get away from God, even if he tried. He's saying, if I go to the depths of the earth, to the end of the sea, you're gonna be there. I cannot hide from you. He even said towards the end, he said, even if it was completely dark, it's not even darkness to you because you have no darkness, you are light. He's saying omnipresent, you are everywhere all the time. In verse 13, he goes on to say, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Okay, so now again, he's declaring again how powerful God is. And this word God is omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He is all powerful. God, or he's saying, God, you created me. You know everything about me. You created me. You knit me together. You ordain my days before one of them even started. He's omnipotent, he's all powerful. So then he goes into verse 19, if only God would slay the wicked, if only you God would slay the wicked, away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent, your adversaries misuse your name. Do I hate, do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and arbor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. David's going to God with his human heart saying, listen, people are saying bad things about you. They hate you. Can you just show some, some justice and just slay them? Again, he's crying out to God. And this is where it turns at the very last two verses. This is where it goes from a declaration to an invitation. And this is where we're gonna spend most of our time. Here's our last two verses. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way of me and lead me into the way of everlasting. So have you ever had a time where maybe someone questioned your character? Someone questioned your character, said wrong things about you. Maybe they knew you, maybe they didn't. And you thought to yourself, or maybe you said to them, you don't even know me. How can you say that? 
You know nothing about me. Well, this is what happened to David. David was being accused by his enemies of having wrong motives. And instead of what most of us would probably do was defend ourselves or fight back, he did something completely different. He went straight to God. He went straight to God. And this is where the invitation starts. This is where he started and he said, four subparts, which I think are important. And this is where the dangerous prayer comes in. The first thing he said of the dangerous prayer, he says, search my heart, search my heart, which is crazy because even at the beginning, we know God knows his heart. He has searched it, he knows it, he made him. But he's still asking God, you know more, me more than anybody. I need you to search my heart. And to me, I think, well, why, why? because he already knows your heart, and plus I'm sure your heart's good. I mean, how many times have we said, oh, they, have good, they had good intentions, they have a good heart, oh, bless their heart, when really, we know that's not true. Our heart is not good. Dave said it last week, our heart is very deceitful and wicked. In Jeremiah 17, nine, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Without Christ, we do not have a good heart. We don't. We deceive others. And more importantly, more often, we deceive ourselves. Have you ever heard the phrase, liar, liar, pants on fire? Yeah, that's us. We lie to ourselves. Our pants are on fire. Have you ever maybe said the phrase, and you don't have to raise your hand, but you can, that'd be fun. Um, Have you ever said the phrase, I'm not materialistic? I'm not, I just really, really like nice things. I just love nice things. Maybe have you said, I am not a gossip. I would never talk behind anybody's back. I say these things so you could pray for them. Maybe, have you said that? Maybe I've said this, I'd probably say this, I probably said that this weekend. I've said, not the gossip part, the, this part. I'm only gonna have one cookie. I'm just gonna have one, and then seven later, a bag later, the cookies are gone. I knew I was gonna have more than one, so why did I say I was just gonna have one? Or maybe you've said this, and women, I'm just gonna out ourselves now, because I do feel like we need to all work on this together. I know we've all said, I am just running to Target for detergent. <laughs> I, I know, we've all said it, we've all said it. We said, I. You're, to the husband, I'm, I'll be right back. I'm just running to Target for a detergent. We didn't even get detergent. We got a candle, we got shoes, we got bath towels, but we have nothing to wash the bath towels because we didn't even get detergent because we lied to ourselves. We knew we weren't going in to go to the detergent aisle. We went around the store, we smelled every candle. We know this about ourselves, right? We lied to ourselves. And here's this thing, and here's what makes this prayer so dangerous, is when we say, God, search my heart, He's gonna show us things that we are not proud of. He's gonna show us things that are not pure in our hearts and we have to be ready for that. So after David says, search my heart, he says, okay, now reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. He's saying, what are my anxious thoughts? What are my anxious thoughts? So what are yours? What, what worries you? What are you afraid of? Maybe besides the spiders and the snakes and all the normal stuff, but what truly deep down are you afraid of? What keeps you up at night? The 2 a.m., your mind is stirring. What keeps you up at night? Is it failing, maybe as a parent, at a career? Is it the loss of someone you love? Is it your finances? Is it the fear of unknown? What keeps you up at night? And here's the thing that kind of wrecked me when I read this book. Craig uh, Groeschel says this. He says, 
What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. So what, what brings you fear? So if you maybe fear, gosh, is, is my marriage gonna crumble? Then are you fully putting your marriage in God's hands? Or do you have that fear of, oh, I just, I wanna keep my kids in a bubble, I want them to be safe, I never want them to be hurt? Are you fully trusting God with your, with your children? I know for me, I have a couple things that truly keep me up at night. I know we all do. It's 2 a.m., I wake up and my mind is just racing and I can tell myself, okay, go to sleep. Like it doesn't, okay? It just turns and turns. I have two things that keep me up at night. The first one is I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm always like crunching numbers. Like, okay, so registration's coming up. Okay, so school supplies, we gotta get that. And all of the kids' pants are like shorts because they keep growing and I literally don't know how them to stop them from growing and this bill's coming up. But then I promised the kids we'd do this. Like I'm always thinking, I'm always working a budget in my head. That's truly something that keeps me up at night. So for me, if what we fear reveals where we trust God the least, I apparently don't trust God with my finances. That, that's basically what that told me. Another thing that keeps me up at night, and it's always the week I'm up here speaking. It's always the week. I'm, I wake up in the middle of the night and I just over and over in my head, I think, you are just so inadequate. I do. That's one of the things that keep me up at night. And what you don't see is during worship, I'm literally thinking of my exit plan. Okay, if I leave now, Dave is smart enough. He'll pull something out, right? Luckily, I haven't done that, but I'm always thinking, okay, if I just go out the side door and no one's gonna see me, I'll just rip this off. But like, I fear just inadequacy, not being enough, not being wise enough and smart enough. That's one of my fears. So after David is saying, search my heart, reveal my fears, another dangerous thing he's saying is uncover my sins. Uncover my sins. And this is probably the hardest part of that dangerous prayer. He's saying, find any offensive ways in me. He's saying, what things in my life go against your truth? What's displeasing to you? And I don't know, why is it so easy to point out everybody else's sins, right? I mean, you could look down your row right now and think, I know about them. I know what they did last night. You know, it's easy. It's easy to point at everybody else's sin, but we look in the mirror and we got our rose-covered glasses on and we're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with me. But maybe we can ask ourselves here this morning, what do you get defensive about? What do you get defensive about? What do you rationalize? What do you justify? Because you need to be careful and, and, and beware because God will point things out in your life that maybe you don't wanna hear and you're just not ready to hear. But what do you do with those things? What do you do with those things when God points them out? Because he doesn't just point them out. He doesn't just say, hey, I'm just gonna show you this, do what you want with it, keep it in your back pocket. No, he wants us to do something with it. So what, what can we do? The first thing is we can confess to God for forgiveness. This is where grace comes in. We can confess to God for forgiveness. And the second thing is we can confess to people for healing. Confess to God for forgiveness and people for healing. So who are your people? Who are you doing life with? Who is holding you accountable? Who's there to pray for you? Do you have a spot where you can be so not perfect? And then in turn, let those people not be perfect either because you need that place. 
And if you don't have that place, lucky for you, we have Connect Small Groups. And it's almost that time where fall's getting ready to start and that's where we launch all of our groups. And we have, of course, a Sunday is amazing. We come here and we can fellowship together and worship together, but the magic happens throughout the week when we take a class and we learn about God and grow closer to God, and then we can get in our small group and have that connection and talk with each other and learn from each other and lean from each other. I know uh, when Jeff and I started, about six months after we came to connect, for some reason we're like, should we, should we 